everyone, and welcome to the Friday, March 31st, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. We're going out like a lion on the podcast this week as Iowa State lawmakers take the FU out of Funnel Week, and social media is under scrutiny from Iowa State and federal lawmakers. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello, Tom. Hello. We have Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Greetings, Caleb. Good morning, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is here. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. We have Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Hello, Jared. Aaron, good morning. <laughs> and rounding out the full roster this week is Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Uh, my <laughs> Brewers lost and my Bucks got beat by 40 last night, but otherwise, great. Thanks for asking, Todd. That's, that's just great. Perfect. All right. Let's ease into this legislative funnel uh, this week by actually starting somewhere else first. Uh, the wild world of social media. And that social media f- world finds itself the target of both state and federal lawmakers in Iowa. Uh, let's start on the federal level, where more than one member of Iowa's congressional delegation has said they believe the social media site TikTok should be banned in the U.S. because of its ties to the Chinese government. And just quick aside, I would like to say I, I appreciate uh, the work of uh, legislators on this topic in getting my 17-year-old daughter interested in political news for a change. So that's this. Uh, Sarah, you talked about the uh, this topic with the senior most member of said congressional delegation, Iowa U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley. And from reading your story, it sounds like the man who has made posting on Twitter in aw shucks art form does not think quite so highly about TikTok. Yes, that is correct. So, um, so yeah, I talked with uh, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, invoke Kesha. TikTok is on the clock. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so TikTok is a short, vi- short form video, uh, social media app owned by Chinese company ByteDance. And, uh, Grassley has expressed that he's concerned that, uh, um, the company, that Americans data can, may be able to be accessed by, uh, the Chinese government and said he personally thinks that, uh, that TikTok shouldn't operate in the United States at all, but um, would support legislation with a more nuanced approach to it. Um, and so, and he didn't really seem concerned about or swayed by testimony um, from the, from TikTok CEO uh, a couple weeks ago and um, is, wasn't really swayed by the argument about free speech. He thinks that, uh, that users can just migrate to other social media apps. Um, U.S. Senator Joni Ernst also published an op-ed column this week that called TikTok a dangerous platform China's weaponized against Americans um, and praised efforts to ban TikTok from government devices. So um, Marionette Miller-Meeks is actually on the committee that uh, that brought uh, the CEO in to testify. And she also um, expressed that she, she felt like TikTok was also uh, a danger to Iowa's children. So, um, so yes, so that's kind of the what the delegation has said on the record about uh, TikTok, and we'll see where it goes. What um, I'm, I'm curious, without giving up your, um, I'm, I'm appealing now to the youths uh, on the panel here, uh, without giving up your objectivity as a reporter. What 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 are your thoughts about uh, TikTok in the in the government's crosshairs? 
Jared, Sarah, or, or uh, Caleb here? I got to be honest. I don't have TikTok. I deleted it. Oh, because I felt like it, I had it in, during the pandemic in college and just felt like it was sucking away all my time. And so <laughs> I'm an adult now and I use Instagram reels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't use it for for pretty much similar reasons. Um, But uh, I mean, I I found I didn't watch a lot of the testimony uh, of TikTok CEO, but I mean, I found it. I I think the on one hand, I think the concerns about um, the uh, access of, you know, the Chinese government to data seems founded. I mean, there was some questioning. It seemed as though, and I would have to, I'm going to caveat this, I'd have to go back and, and, and double check this, but that, you know, the CEO didn't never kind of definitively said there was no way for the Chinese right. government to access user data in TikTok, right? Because that, that data is, is not at present stored in the U.S. Um, so I think that's a valid concern. I mean, it's, it's something that the gov- that, that government has been, you know, known to do right. is exert control over companies in the, in the country. So I think that's a fair concern. Um, and, and, and then there was also, I mean, kind of on a, I guess it's the separate rail. Um, it, it does seem as though it's an easy uh, target. You know, all of these social media companies in one way or another are exploiting your data and, you know, moving <laughs> it around to people you may not want to have it. Um, but, you know, China is a is a target that both Democrats and Republicans can rally against. And, and so it makes it an easy, uh, easy dunk for both parties. So, you know, I think it's a valid concern, but that's that's the other angle as well. Yeah, yeah. So... I'm not really someone who could be uh, considered a TikTok uh, advocate. I'm not creative enough, and I'm too old uh, to use it effectively. <laughs> but um, I do kind of think this notion that a number of um, Democrats and Republicans have advanced that this particular app is a particular threat to the American way of life and the security of the country's citizens is one to be dubious about. Um, you know, the second largest investor in Twitter is Saudi Arabia's Kingdom Holding Company, and that's the very same country that was party to the beheading of an American journalist and has been sued by families of victims of the September 11th attacks. Um, you know, with Facebook, they've been sued by refugees from Myanmar for allegedly amplifying hate speech, which led to genocide of the uh, Rohingya people in that country. Uh, YouTube, a couple years ago, I don't know if people remember this one, um, a number of advertisers had to pause their spots on YouTube over concerns that it aided uh, actual pedophiles in finding clips of young girls because of its algorithms. That was a few years ago. Um, And all of those companies and services are American and are also pretty deferential to you know, national security apparatus when it comes to handing over data, like uh, Caleb kind of talked about. Yeah. And then uh, that data also gets funneled off to advertisers so we can be hounded uh, in perpetuity about buying some dumb uh, T-shirt with a stupid slogan on it that no one would ever actually buy, but we still get the ads anyway because we looked at something halfway related <laughs> once on Instagram. Uh you know, and so like that's the actual record of all those companies, and we haven't seen you know a lot of serious legislation with any real chance of passing that would curb or stymie any of those. So I get why it's starting now with a company that's from another country, but it's a weird place to start at. Yeah. From the, from the uh, from the senior perspective, <laughs> um, <laughs> based on my own TikTok use, I have a theory as to why Republicans are really upset about TikTok. It's that it's possible to see lots of clips of West Wing showing 
showing a completely functioning government with an honest president. And I think they're afraid that those videos are going to fall into the wrong hands. They're going to break containment. Like, yeah. And, uh, and, and people are going to be like, wait a second. We, we could have it like this. So something, something like that. And also Star Trek, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I get all that stuff, but I do. It's, you know. But By the, can I, I just say my, that I also get my orders from Beijing for my, you know, my liberal rants. So can, can I just say, Todd, that and also Star Trek was the perfect old person way to uh, end that uh, uh, comment on social media. That was that was that was beautiful. <laughs> I think you I think you earned some AARP points with that <laughs> closer there. <laughs> that, uh, that, it, that involves a different kind of data. Oh, oh yeah! No. Exactly. Oh man, we've gone off the rails now, folks. Leave I've data lost alone, China. I've lost the room. This is my responsibility as host. This is all on me. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, Jared, to your point about uh, no legislation being out there uh, to take on all the social media companies, uh, <laughs> hold my beer, says uh, the Iowa legislature, because Tom, uh, <clears throat> just this week, uh, covered a hearing on a new bill uh, that uh, was introduced, and at least as it was first written, would have prohibited all Iowans under the 18, uh, sorry, all Iowans under the age of 18 from having any social media account. Now that was, uh, and Tom will tell you more about this, but that was quickly amended to allow for those under 18 to have a social media account with parental permission. Uh, but that's obviously quite the bill to start. Uh, Tom, uh, as I said, you covered that subcommittee hearing. Uh, what was that? I'd be really curious to hear uh, what the discussion was like in that room on that one. Yeah. Um, so um, as you mentioned, uh, Iowa House Republicans on Thursday um, advanced the bill that currently as written would ban anyone under the age of 18 from having their own social media account. I should say the bill has not been amended, but um, House Republican lawmakers said it's their intent to amend the bill to allow children on social media um, if they have parental consent. So social media companies currently are already prohibited by federal law from collecting data on children under the, the age of 13, um, which um, prevents them from um, creating a profile on these social media platforms because you have to provide information to sign up. Um, so supporters of the bill say that they're concerned about social media's effect on um, children's mental health. Uh, opponents of the bill, largely the big tech companies, um, you had lobbyists there representing the likes of um, Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you also, uh, we also heard uh, during the subcommittee hearing from lobbyists representing Microsoft and Google and LinkedIn and um, Amazon.com. So they warn that uh, the bill uh, could have unintended consequences, including potentially barring children from e-commerce and job posting sites, as well as platforms that are used by uh, teachers and students. Um, so uh, re Republican lawmakers um, acknowledged that um, the the bill as written um, is is overly broad, particularly when it comes to defining um, social media companies that operate in the state that would be subject to the legislation and acknowledged that 
that wording um, needs to be uh, tightened and narrowed in it. Um, it's their intent um, to do that. So um, the chairman of uh, the subcommittee, subcommittee, excuse me, <clears throat> Representative um, John Wills, uh, Republican from Spirit Lake, said that uh, he has put together a um, amendment to the bill um, that would prohibit companies from collecting data on children under the age of 18 without um, parental consent. Um, it, it should be noted that other GOP-led states are pursuing similar proposals. Uh, Utah last week um, just passed um, kind of a, a similar measure, um, becoming the first state to enact laws limiting how children can use social media. And uh, California enacted a law last year barring tech companies from profiling children or using personal information in ways that could harm um, children physically or mentally. Um, Tim Coonan, uh, who represented the Technology Association of Iowa, said um, states are kind of stepping in um, to tackle this issue due to federal inaction. He said um, Congress is just not able to pull together a consensus and get a bill on the president's desk that he can sign and that um, this is an example of frustration of an issue um, that, uh, you know, has, has been an ongoing problem. Again, um, we heard from lawmakers, um, including um, Representative Phil Thompson, a Republican of Boone, who said that while he's not particularly excited by the bill, which he called a little heavy handed, um, he noted that there is compelling data from studies that have shown that time spent on social media um, correlates to poor mental health outcomes from, from children. He talked about seeing um, uh, rates of childhood depression increasing and, and believing that there's a strong correlation there between that um, and, and uh, use of social media. Yeah, the, this whole thing is interesting to me because it like there's obviously the data collection side of it, which is obviously a huge deal and, and, and it, even more so when, when you're talking about minors but there's also, and someone else uh, tell me if I'm being crazy, but there's, I feel like there's an element to this of it, social media is this generation's uh, bogeyman. Like it was, it was Elvis and rock and roll way back when that was, that was destroying the kids. And then it was movies and TVs and then it's video games. And, and <clears throat> now it's social media. That's the downfall of society. I feel like there's a little bat, a bit of that in there too. Now, again, uh, not, um, minimizing the the data collection aspect of that which is is a unique and, and obviously very real issue and one thing i would add that i thought was was kind of interesting um you know uh, uh, something that was absent from the discussion um during the, the the subcommittee meeting um was um you know the notion or, or questions about um how this would impact um first amendment and free speech rights for um for, for, for teenagers. Um, now, th that probably may have been due to the fact that it was a early, early morning subcommittee at, you know, 745 uh, in, in the morning on Thursday of funnel week and was probably um, a piece of legislation that wasn't on a lot of people's, you know, radar, um, except for, you know, those those lobbyists representing these big tech firms that are that are directly impacted. But I, I, I did think it was interesting that that part of the discussion was kind of was kind of missing from from the debate. Yeah. Um, and I should also point out that um, 
uh, Democratic leaders in the Iowa um, legislature, um, you know, weighed in as well, um, you know, criticizing Republicans for um, at least starting with um, an all out ban um, and, and saying that, um, uh, well, so Senate Minority Leader Zach Wall is a Democrat from Coralville you know, saying that the idea of a blanket ban is, is nonsensical um, and that he would like to see um, kind of a nonpartisan way to evaluate the issue, such as maybe um, an interim committee where you bring in public health experts and social media executives to, um, to, to in his words, talk about it in a respectful way. Um, House Minority Leader uh, Jennifer Confers, a Democrat from Windsor Heights, said, you know, yes, social media can be a toxic environment. And of course, you know, kids need to be careful with social media. Um, but let's also not forget that social media can be, to your point, Aaron, a place of community where kids find each other in a way um, that can be valuable and meaningful to them. Yeah. Tom, I, I, I was curious, has any of the legislation that's been kicked around so far, what, like, what are the enforcement mechanisms for something like this? That's so a great like, point too. So yep. If like a teenager, like, you know, breaks the law or what however you want to say that like what is there like a SWAT team going to descend on them like for getting on to TikTok like well yeah. like also I don't know about you guys but going on like disney.com and clicking yes my I have parents uh, right. to go on here like how would yeah. they you know right so um th th that's a, a great point to bring up and um was something that was mentioned as well um by um the the uh lobbyists for um these big tech companies you know questioning you know how is this going to be enforced you know just how functionally do you move forward with an issue like this um, and, and pointing out that, um, as I mentioned with um, the, the federal law, that um, where social media companies are already prohibited um, from collecting data on, on children under 13 and, and prohibiting, um, again, children under 13 from having social media accounts, um, you know, children can, can easily get around the, the prohibition and do, you know, with or without parents' consent, um, you know, speaking to what, to what Sarah just mentioned. Um, so, so yeah, th there is this big question of how do you enforce it? I should note that, um, the, the, the bill, um, as written, um, social media companies that operate in the state would be fined a thousand dollars per violation. Um, and it would direct the Iowa attorney general's office to, to enforce the provisions of the bill. But how do you do that? You know, in, in, in reality and practicality, you know, still is a, a big question. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, it, I, I may be playing into the, being duped by the moral panic a little bit. Um, but to Aaron's <laughs> point, I mean, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, concerns about uh, social media, particularly these effect on um, teen and, and adults, like mental health and just kind of attention span and how we, they and we kind of just like interact with information is, um, is worth uh consideration and and i and i'm not as uh well read on the the literature as i could be but um I, I i do think it's interesting and i think it's uh i i just i i wonder if there's going to be we're going to see more legislation both at state and federal levels going forward um maybe not something like this total ban but you know something like a study committee figuring out what what kind of regulations should be put on maybe not individuals but like the companies themselves as far as how the information is presented and algorithms and all that so i think it's an interesting area of legislation that will probably you know be developed in the future what's what's funny is at least for you know uh, a republican position on this is that 
to do a an enforcement that actually works, you would need as robust a government as possible that's <laughs> as punitive as possible, which are not really ideologically cohesive with you know the tenets of republicanism in the, of, the of, yeah of, 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 of enforcing and punitive of, of private industry which is uh, seems like uh, meddling in the free market a little bit right mm-hmm. but but to, but to Caleb's point I, I, I yeah I, I get that side of it too it's it's fascinating and I think Caleb's right I think we're probably only scratching the surface uh, as far as legislation on this and and uh, uh, lawmaking um, discussion of this, so so it, it'll be interesting to see moving forward, both at the federal and and state <clears throat> level. Well, no, and I was just going to say the problem with all this too is that you know you're uh, you're focused on the current social media landscape, so you regulate it and you do you know these things you want to do, and then you know like it happens so much in 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 this industry, something new is going to come along, or lots yeah. of new things are going to come along, and how are you how are you going to I mean Regulation can't keep up with technology. It can't keep up, uh, and lawmakers' expertise can't keep up with it. So it's just, it's just, and I, and I, you know, we worry about our kids on social media, but there, you know, there's precious little you can really do. You know, you can try to be draconian and ban them from having this or that, but they're going to get around it. And and so I understand the worries about depression and things like that, although. Although if they're going to use that as the bar, wait till they find out how people feel when they read the news. I hope they don't come, <laughs> after, the, hope they don't come after the news apps next because, yeah, that can that can really ruin your day. So uh, uh, I, I think the concerns are real, but just the government's ability, the you know the the big steamship that is government to sort of turn and and change course on this stuff. I just I don't have much faith that it's going to be very effective and, and it's going to be outdated before it's the, the ink dries. Yeah. That's such a great point, Todd, that, I mean, I mean, think about the, the lifespan of TikTok. It wasn't even a thing uh, until uh, how many, how many years ago here? It hasn't been very long. Uh, the, it just, it, it, it all moves so fast uh, that what can you do? And you know what? Um, <clears throat> I trust Iowa parents to make the right decisions for their children. All right, now that we've made our uh, way under the great golden dome of wisdom, uh, it makes sense to say there and, and segue our, into our coverage of the second legislative funnel, um, which I got to say was a lot more timid than most funnel weeks uh, I've covered. Uh, although after that first funnel week, uh, which really felt like two funnel weeks, um, there were no complaints this time around when this one wasn't nearly as intense, believe me. Um, now that said, some things did happen. Some very big things happened and some things didn't happen. Uh, and that's probably actually the best place to start. The Senate did not advance the House's eminent domain slash carbon capture pipeline legislation which means that that bill did not survive the funnel, which means that that bill is technically dead for the remainder of the session. Now, we always present the caveat here, um, and it's never been more true in this specific case, as you'll soon hear, but no bill is every true ever truly dead uh, until the session completely adjourns. Legislative leaders have multiple tools at their disposal to resurrect any policy that they'd like. So, Caleb, let's start with you on this one, because um, as much as we've all covered the topic, you've especially been on at this session. Um, Tell us just how dead is the pipeline bill. And and maybe to help us out here, let's create a one to ten scale uh, and say uh, of how dead it is and, and say one is a beloved comic book character. uh, So not really dead. 
Um, five is Elvis, and ten is William Wallace. Oh man, or the Dodo. Or um, <laughs> the Dodo. There you go. <laughs> it's a it's a complicated scale. Um, <laughs> I, I would say north of five, above five. Um, okay, all right. I, so I, fairly I, I, dead, huh? Maybe we disagree on this, Aaron. But um, I, I guess just like from my uh just sense of, of how things are going. I, I just really don't see a future for this particular bill. Um, you know, the whole session, there hasn't been any interest from the Senate, from leaders in the Senate um, in bringing this or any type, any bill like this up. There was one subcommittee hearing in the Senate on a bill that um, seemed designed to be hated by both sides, uh, the pro-pipeline and the anti-pipeline pe- people. Um, so it was killed in that subcommittee. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the caveat is, of course, yesterday, um, Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitford did say um, in an interview with Radio Iowa, the conversation isn't over. Um, he said that, you know, we'll see what the caucus decides, but we haven't come to a consensus yet. Or so far, there hasn't been a consensus. So that leaves, you know, a glimmer of an opening for um, there to be action on this in the future. But as I said, just judging from the mood and, and how um, leaders have act, acted so far, I just don't see that happening this year. Um, and you know some of the people advocating around um, against for this bill against the the pipeline companies um, seem to be kind of in the same boat. I spoke with uh, Jess Mazur um, of the Sierra Club last or this week, um, and you know she was clear that you know they're going to continue to fight for a legislative um, action. They're going to keep coming here and or to the Capitol and continue to kind of lobby lawmakers to bring that that bill back. But also said. Um, to some extent, they have more cards up their sleeves and are considering paths outside the legislature to um, do something, you know, about these pipelines. What that is, we didn't really get into, but um, you know, obviously, these these all three of these pipelines are going to have to come before the Iowa Utilities Board um, for consideration. The Sierra Club has been involved in the kind of legal proceedings around the IOT, around these pipelines at the Iowa Utilities Board. So that may be the path they're kind of looking at going forward. So I was just going to jump in here. Um, and, and I think that, that there's been enough pressure placed on lawmakers on, on this issue. And, and given the comments that we heard um, this week from um, uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Jack Whipper. Um, I, I, I think that you you can probably I think you're probably going to see the potential for at least some portion or some parts of the House bill maybe getting worked into a standings bill or a budget bill. Um, I could see a scenario where there's enough pl- pressure placed on Senate Republicans that you know they'll they'll probably strip out the. Um, the 90% threshold um, for utilities to have to get uh, voluntary easements from proper owners along the route of, of the pipeline. Um, you know, they'll probably strip that out um, feeling that, you know, as um, these pipeline companies have said that, that that's just too onerous um, a, a, a threshold for them to meet in, in, you know, what amount to, in their words, you know, a de facto ban on these projects from being able to move forward. Um, but I think that you could still see them moving forward pieces of the bill um, that um, provide some protection from, from landowners, you know, talking about um, the, um, uh, you know, how they would be compensated um, for, for, for these easements um, for, you know, if eminent domain is used, um, you know, to, to force them to have to um, give up access to their land. Um, there's also, um, excuse me, pieces in there um, that talk about 
um, being being compensated for if there's any damage to to their property to to the farmland. So I, I think some of those landowner protection pieces that are in the legislation, I think I think there is room that you could see that incorporated into. Um, you know, some other bills or legislation later in the session. Yeah, that's that's a good kind of. I, I think you both hit it there, and and I, I I sounded surprised, Kayla, but I I I think I'm much more in agreement with you than than I sounded like. Um, uh, 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 but then there's a, there's an interesting contrast there in that discussion between the bill as it stands and to Tom's point, what maybe could be picked off of that, and maybe some of the. Um, uh, what's the right here? I don't want to say lesser because, um, you know, that, that implies, um, things, but, but the, the, the less onerous, I guess, maybe parts of the bill, um, could, could, could find their way into to legislation at the end of the year. And, and, and maybe that's a way that, that, you know, f- that at least, you know, the people who wanted the whole bill get at least a part part of it that they can they can feel good about that much at least and and the and the people who had heartburn about the bill as a whole but but are okay with uh, uh some of the other parts can can feel like they you know pass something that at least in some ways addressed the topic that that i i could i could see that too that that will be interesting to see if that's part of um negotiations here as 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 the um, session winds down, but I do, I do think Caleb, you're absolutely right that that bill itself, it's really hard to see that um, there being a sudden change uh, in, in the Senate on this. I mean, it's it's not like this topic popped up yesterday, um, you know, or that that bill top popped up yesterday. This has been around. Legislators have heard um, um, from all the people who feel strongly about this on both sides that they have all the information they need. Uh, it, it's really hard to see minds being changed on that between now and the end of session. Again, on that whole bill, um, I think Tom raises an interesting uh, possibility of 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 how what that could look like as part of end of session negotiations. Um, and and speaking of bills that may have second lives, uh, legislation that would loosen Iowa's child labor laws did not meet the requirements for passing the second funnel. Twin bills that were passed out of committee in both chambers, um, but neither were called up for floor debate and passage, so those are dead, right? Wrong. Uh, both House and Senate Republican leaders placed their bill on what's called the unfinished business calendar, and to those of you who don't eat, sleep, and drink this 24-7 like uh, we are doomed to, uh, the un- the unfinished business calendar is essentially a repository for bills that would have otherwise died, but leaders want to to keep them uh, alive and have the option to call them up later in the session. Uh, so that's where the, the those uh, bills and 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 just as a real quick summary for if you, in case you haven't been following, would uh, kind of open up more professions uh, that Iowans between the ages of fourteen and seventeen would be allowed to work in. Um, the bill is being sought by many business and industry leaders. Groups that represent workers feel a little differently about it. Uh, and they made those feelings known during a series of rallies held across the state last weekend. Uh, Jared, you covered one such rally. Tell us uh, how that went. So, yeah, this past uh, Saturday, I uh, covered a rally that the chapter, the local chapter of the United Food and Commercial Workers, uh, Local 222, um, put together to speak out against the uh, legislation that would overhaul uh, child labor laws in the state. 
And um, along with uh, union reps, there were also a number of teachers, uh, students, and uh, Representative uh, J.D. Scholten showed up as well. Um, one of the event's speakers uh, was a student at, or is a student, at uh, Sioux City North High School and said that uh, if the legislation passes in its current form, that um, grades will suffer and that uh, teenagers who do feel pushed into working because of uh, their families economic hardships. Uh, the, the student from North said that uh, those kind of students might not develop properly because they won't be getting enough sleep, um, which hospitals like Johns Hopkins have noted, uh, teens need at least nine hours of sleep a night. Um, and then once the event ended, I talked to um, Scholten in particular, and he said that um, these sorts of legislative pushes are done for uh, business owners to profit and that uh, multinational corporations are having too much of a say when it comes to um, state level politics. And, you know, you mentioned um, the lobbying efforts for this, Aaron, and a number of business related groups, including um, the Iowa Restaurant Association, the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, and um, Americans for Prosperity, which is the uh, Charles Koch funded um, conservative advocacy organization. All of those have made um, lobbyist uh, declarations for the legislation. Yep. And, and those, again, there, there were similar events held uh, around the state yes. um, um, uh, last weekend. Uh, Todd, you're hearing uh, that the bill may be amended before it uh, sees legislation, uh, legislative action again, uh, whenever that may be, we, we don't know. Um, what, what can you tell us about what you're hearing? Well, I, I talked to Charlie Wishman, who is the uh, president of the Iowa Federation of Labor, which is opposed to the bill, uh, working on a column for next week. And he said that he thought that the Senate bill was going to be changed to uh, take meatpacking and mining out of the out of the occupation list. And also, you know, the bill has this uh, legal liability protection for businesses that, that hire kids as part of these, I guess they're calling them some sort of work training mm -hmm. programs or, mm -hmm. you know, they're giving yeah. you a veneer of education and when they send the kids into the freezer. But, uh, you know, he, he said that he thought that that's still in the bill, but he thought that they were going to make it, these kids eligible for workers' compensation if they were injured on the job. Now, I, I haven't seen an amendment or anything to that effect. The bill is still, still is as is, as far as I can tell reading it. So, uh, but I mean, it's, it's possible that you know, it's, it's entirely possible that there are Republicans in both chambers that have misgivings about these bills. Um, we know Democrats are opposed to them, and there may be enough misgivings that they're having a hard time maybe getting something passed on the floor, and it may be that they need to, to soften the language and maybe, like, like Wishman says, take out some of the more what would be considered dangerous occupations. Yeah, that that would make sense as you said that, uh, Todd, and, and to hear those two specifically. I mean, those are two of the ones that we heard most um, concerns about expressed during the the committee level hearings on these. Uh, they, they were the obvious ones for people to who who uh, like you said had concerns about the safety of of, of young people working in these places. Um, those were the ones most often referenced. So yeah. so if you got those out of the bill, th there's also concerns about people working in uh, young people working in taverns or, or other places and selling and selling and, and serving alcohol. Um, so um, that, that was one that um, came up with the uh, student speaker at yeah. um, my event that, you know, the idea of like teenage girls working in a, a bar, like made her, the, the student speaker, incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. 
So yep. well, I mean, some of these lawmakers are probably thinking of this as, oh, we can have a teenage bartender down at the, uh, you know, the the VFW in my small town or in the one bar, the one bar in town where is also the restaurant and people know everyone. But I mean, you're opening the door to, yeah, kids working in places that are a lot more, you know, sort of uh, the the darker side of of Iowa's, you know, drinking world. <laughs> unwholesome unwholesome (laughs) unwholesome exactly (laughs) what strikes me about this is and we saw this with vaccines is that you know all this opposition to vaccines is based in part on the fact that people just don't remember what it was like before we had vaccines and why there was such a drive to get them and now it's like why these why these things were put in place in the first place right Yeah, yeah now child labor it's like bad things happened to kids in workplaces dangerous things and injuries and deaths and and so these rules were made and now we're sort of like well we got a workforce shortage and and we don't we just forget that history completely and and make the same mistakes but i guess you know uh hopefully they will maybe pull back on some of this stuff but uh you know i i think you know child labor is you know i think they were talking about mining because you get these images of sending kids down in the coal mine which right. i mean we don't have coal mines we do have gypsum mines and stuff like that in iowa so mm-hmm. uh hopefully mm-hmm. they'll maybe uh walk this back yeah well uh we'll be keeping an eye on it uh uh it's up at the capitol uh, so uh, you can hear about it here in future episodes of the on iowa politics podcast that's it for this one though uh we hope you enjoyed it if you did tell your friends and subscribe to us on streaming audio services like itunes spotify and amazon and a reminder that now you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Youth Orchestra will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McNett, Todd Dormand, and our producer Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening.
son No, that can't be right We need to know this now And we got to know tonight Ooh, what you put into that soup up so tight to keep all the ladies out and to make that soup to taste so right all the ladies they drop by they say hello in one big And a little bit of loud That's who And a little bit of sun That's who And a little bit of sun That's who And a little bit of sun That's who And a little bit of loud That's who And a little bit of sun 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 That's who And
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.